Welcome back to the second half of our More Blood, More Tracks Spectacular with brothers Jake and David Longstreth. Let's get right back into it, but let me just issue a trigger warning here up front for all you Up To Me fans out there. Might be a little discussion that you're not going to be too fond of. I'm I'm really just stuck on you know when I was joking about like Bob's residue. Um, I can't help but think about how "Blood on the Tracks" is the name of this record. Wow, that it is actually like one of the best. It's the perfect name for this record. It's a blood, yeah. literally blood on the tracks. It's like the most intimate, most visceral thing, and the tracks obviously multiple meanings there, but um. He's Bob Dylan, pretty good at uh, you know metaphorical language. Pretty good at talking about trains, something he really also likes. True. Uh, we were just <laughs> on that last episode talking about, or recent episode talking about how in an interview, Dylan was like really caught up on the uh, the the railroad thing, yellow railroad. The, yeah, on your yeah, your the yellow railroad, and he kept trying to come back to it. He's like, this is an image that I probably saw or had like while I was on the road, like. Maybe it was really bright out. Maybe there's sun beaming off the railroad. He's like, these things are in your head and you got to put them out. And uh, it's, I don't know. It just feels like. Wait, what is that from? Some interview from 91 where he was talking, the interviewer was throwing out lyrics to it. And Bob was kind of riffing on their significance um, or if you even remembered. Them. I love that episode. I think you guys could do like a bunch more of those. Well, there's a bunch more. You're too sweet, Jake. I want to I want to check those out. So you guys like sort of like listen to these these interviews from I'm sorry I haven't heard read. them. Yeah, read um them. this is getting very meta but that sounds cool as hell. <laughs> we'll 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 send you the episode David. <laughs> yeah, I don't know where I was going with that, but uh anyway, just, train tracks you're on, keep You're the, on the track, yeah. Dylan Dylan's really he seems to be a little bit hung up on train tracks uh all over I, the place. I feel that I have two I have two things unrelated. Um one, was it Dylan who a few years ago was arrested uh, on the street uh, where Springsteen's childhood home uh, uh, is? Yeah, or he was. Yeah, at least stopped by the police. Who right? Maybe not arrested. That right. he was just a you know they saw a man uh, in a hoodie creepily yes. walking, <laughs> <laughs> and it turned out. Um, that he, this is something he's doing on these recent tours. He's visiting the childhood homes. Oh yeah, of um, of like American musical, um, you know, heroes, legends, here legends. Well, it's yeah. something on this tour. On the last tour, he was saying stuff a lot. He every city he'd go to, he'd be like listing the famous people from that city. Yeah, he'd be like uh, Mark. He'd be like uh, Herman Melville was born here. <laughs> uh and he's oh, who else he say when the one we i was at he said uh sylvester stallone was born here uh his then he said the thing about his last movie should have won the oscar um yes rambo last blood wow not the reboot of rocky uh you know he was just <laughs> being a piece of shit i mean he was just like, i he bet was, he believes that genuinely 
uh that movie apparently is like really racist <laughs> i don't know much about it it's like the Rambo, like the, the new yeah, the Rambo movie. Rambo. The latest Rambo movie has like a horrible, horribly xenophobic plot or something. But um, I'm yeah. shocked. <laughs> Dylan watched uh, it on the tour bus. Rambo First Blood is incredible, In- incredible movie. The uh, first Rambo. Yeah, after yeah, that, that they, they yeah. all like they're all crap. After that, basically. yeah. When the message of Rambo was uh, war is bad, uh, and then all of the rest of the Rambos uh, decided <laughs> to flip that on its head and say, actually, it's pretty cool. Yeah, it went <laughs> went from being masters of war dude. as like yeah. a, masters of war is a bad thing to like masters of war is like be, being a master of war. That yeah. is that is cool. Got to be a master, master of something. <laughs> master, yeah, true. Um, what was I going to say? How how do you how explicitly do you think Springsteen's Born in the USA look was based on Rambo First Blood? Ooh. Whoa, whoa, Born oh Born in the USA, not not at all. <laughs> no. no, it's sort of like Jack Rambo completely smacked head, down headband, sort of like uh, sweaty curls spilling and over a headband. A song about war, war being hell. Well, they are both focused on you know the uh, the PTSD of the. Uh, That's what I'm talking know, about. Vietnam. Yeah. I, I see where That's you're going with that, David. And this sort of like anti-hero, yeah, American like anti-hero thing, Maybe inverting we, patriotism. We should watch Rambo: Last Blood and Rambo: First Blood <laughs> no. and just uh, and talk about them and see if, if Bob, what Bob could possibly be. Yeah. Thinking. Once we once we run out of uh, uh, enough. Uh, concepts to jabber about um but speaking of first blood last blood and more blood um (laughs) more more blood more tracks does have like a pulpy like playful feel as a title yeah um and i can't help but think that like that's directly from dylan more blood more and that it and that it's supposed to feel like sort of like a uh like a like a sort of like sawdusty sequel. Well, also it's so absurdly long. Right. I mean, it's an appropriate, I mean, it's, like it's appropriate. Hilarious. Like when you guys sent me the original full <laughs> All 90 set, songs. And I was like, guys, I want to be on the show again, but I can't <laughs> like, how, can we narrow this down? I can't listen to nine versions. Of <laughs> what if, what if we just said, no, uh, I'm sorry, Jake, you have to do your work. I would have been like, this is above my pay grade, dude. I can't, <laughs> I can't uh, cite, like, sift so wait, through nine are versions. You, are you guys Dylanologists? No, no, no. absolutely God, not. No. We would never, we would never make that claim. No, I know. No when way. I was reading today, all the all the articles on Wikipedia it was just like Dylan scholar. Mm-mm. Yeah, I was like, there's so many Dylan scholars. No, I don't think that. Uh, I I am too. I am not. No, I just am like saying shit. I'm just saying things. <laughs> this is... Just trying to hang. Yeah. I mean, well, yeah. Doesn't I mean I'm. Know. Yeah, to me, the idea of a Dylanologist. We trod the same uh, as that. Ter- Remember that that like horrible Bob Dylan uh, press uh, interview from the '60s, where he's like, "This the who, the people who toil in the same musical vineyard as you." Uh, we toil in the same musical vineyard yeah. as the Dylanologists, but we are not. Uh, we're not the same. We are different. 
We heard not the same. <laughs> Wait, how did Dylan respond to that toiling oh, in the same musical it, vineyard? It, or it was even it was like in the same music. Yeah, it, it was. Um, I don't know. He just responded as he would have, you know, just kind of being uh, very dismissively. <laughs> yeah, very dis- as he has every right to. Because that guy, that was that is low key one of the more pathetic moments in the like whole saga of his press interviews and and press releases. Um, what's the term press uh, conference press, press conferences conference, yeah. uh is that moment because you just know that that guy had that line written down and was just like waiting all day to say it and it gets nothing just complete fall flat on his face the same musical vineyards in which you toil in which yeah <laughs> vineyards yeah it was like <laughs> <laughs> Uh, should we talk a little bit about like the way that he sounds that's different on these versions yeah. of the, the songs? Like what, what did, what jumped out at you guys about like delivery? Like was his vocal different? What, what do you have to say? Well, first of all, it's interesting to reading today about like how he had recorded the record in New York in like five days or something. Yeah. And then in September of 74 and then, the last four days of 1974, he re-recorded half the record in Minnesota mm-hmm. with a pickup band of local dudes that he'd never met before. And that ended up being half the record. I mean, like Tang- Tangle Up in Blue was from the, was a, you know, was from that and uh, Idiot Wind. And anyway, <clears throat> um, it made me really think about like his songwriting process. Like it seemed like the, the lyrics were 90% established but he was really searching for like the tone of the song still. Mm, right. Which was interesting. I mean, it made me think like, does, does he write the lyrics with no music in mind? Cause usually I feel like most songwriters are sort of like vacillating between like refining the music, refining the lyrics. And I, I don't know. It seems like he just has the lyrics. I could be totally wrong here. Cause I'm not a Dylanologist. And and then it seems like he is like, well, what chords am I going to do? Like, I tangled up in blue. I feel like in the the New York versions from September of '74, the chords are different. It's way slower. It's way more melancholy. The New York sessions he did it in a uh, in, in an open tuning, and then the Minnesota versions he was in standard tuning. Mm-hmm. So he's just like feeling stuff out um, and kind of seeing what sticks. And I'm, and, you know kind of interesting anecdote too that his he played an early version of the record of just the new york sessions from september for his brother david zimmerman mm-hmm. who does not have a wikipedia page but probably <laughs> um and david was like bro i don't think it's there yet don't yeah he's it. like this doesn't slap bud. This doesn't, this doesn't slap. Not, he's like it's not commercial enough yeah um, it does, i don't hear what, it hit that's what david said that's what david said he's like this isn't this isn't there yet. it's not it's not it's so austere and so sort of like inward okay um, okay can i speak to that absolutely speak on it well, as a so david there... brother you're also a brother named david yes so I, I am i am um in in chronicles there's a scene is it in chronicles maybe i'm getting confused but I feel like there's a scene in Chronicles where he talks about um, having a bunch of so- in a moment of sort of like I don't know uh, writer's block or 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 a dearth of inspiration. He's excited about a bunch of songs that he has written that he keeps on describing as being in the drawer, but like it's a literal drawer. 
Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're the the um that's in the 88 portion of Chronicles like post blood, but yeah, you're totally right. It, and it's the music that turns into the Oh Mercy records and he shows Bono those songs oh, yes. when Bono comes over to have dinner with him and Bono's like, "Hey, Very I cool. got this great guy for you." His, oh. name's, his name's Dan Damn, Land. Land. Yeah. Head Damn. on down to New Orleans. <laughs> See? Yeah. yeah. And so when I was reading that, I was so confused. I was like, how, what does he mean he has a song? How are these songs on pieces of paper in his drawer? Because it seems so weird to me that, yeah, the song for Dylan is purely in the, yeah, yeah. Well, in on, the, on, on the page. Just in on the Chronicles, page. in that part, he, he describes having yet yeah, not written songs for a while. And then, uh, as sometimes happens, it happened where he sat down and just uh, was struck by inspiration and wrote all of Political World and then put it in a drawer. <laughs> and um, That's what I'm that, thinking of. Yeah. That it, yeah, that's what happened. And, and it turns out that the, in this case, Bono was really his more, uh, pot- you know, potentially more of his, su- his supportive brother. Saying you, this is oh, great, yeah. brother you know, Bono. Do it, do, do it uh, but I, I've got the great, uh, a great person to do it with you. But I don't know. I mean, I we can't discredit David Zimmerman for um, whatever he heard because oh, he's well, right. so I want to wait. I want. I'm sorry. I just have more questions. I want to yeah. talk about David Zimmerman. But then the uh, this is also re- making me remember like one of those um, documentaries about Dylan from ten or fifteen years ago, mm-hmm. and they're interviewing um joan baez or something about like what were those early days like and she was like oh he would just sit at the typewriter all day and write songs and he would drink coffee all day and then at some point he would switch to red wine and he would just be at the typewriter writing songs and for me that seemed so it seemed like so challenging the idea of like writing lyrics without a guitar or an instrument in hand and the 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 sort of like acuity that to think metrically or to hold a melody in your head and try to write words to it free of an instrument well how do like how some... do you do that i mean what well, is so what i was going to say th- is that like... that was like very very um alien to me to hear that and i found it very cha- like a challenging idea and so i wanted to try i wanted to try it um <laughs> And I and I I think I held it up without quite realizing it. I think I held it up as a sort of like model for like what a process should be. And I think that it did me no good. <laughs> like I was yes. thinking about this the other you day. You have a much like, different musical mind than Bob Dylan. Yeah, 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 yeah. And and like to th- like also just like words suggest themselves <clears throat> intuitively when you're playing and singing at the same time. For me, at least. And if not the finer details of a third verse or something, I'm gonna find I'm I more often than not, I'm gonna find the subject of the song and even the rhyme scheme or whatever in just messing around. And so this sort of like kind of like metrical free verse, you know, he's he must just be thinking about it almost like a rapper, you know. Yeah, right. Yeah, wow. He's thinking about rhythms and, yeah. and internal rhymes and stanzas and things. I don't think it was very helpful for me to <laughs> to uh, to to take that on for as long as I did, honestly. Um, what era did you take that on in? Of, in terms uh, of the probably projectors, swing low, probably swing, swing low. low. Yeah, uh. yeah. 
Interesting. I've, I've got a question for you kind of along the same line of thinking, David. Just like, so the way that Bob, like the basement, or excuse me, not basement, the bootleg series releases have, have evolved over the last couple years. Like initially, the first couple were just like, you know, like cutting room floor material songs that didn't make records. But over yeah. time, and this is a great example of it, there's 90 fucking songs, like every take of every song from yeah. Blood Good on the Dave. Tracks. Is that like, does that seem like just absolutely insane shit to you? Like if someone came to you and said like, I want to hear every cut of every track from Beat Orca or like, like or is that just stuff you would never want to be out in the world? I mean, I think that the, like, it's interesting tracking the, 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 the reissues of things over time, I guess as what you're just saying in, in the beginning, it did feel like, Oh, I mean, I guess, God, I'm recapitulating your exact point. Originally, it was sort of like, oh, here's a song from this era that you haven't heard. I feel like it has to do with the boomers getting older, certainly for them to be sort of like turned into these like, you know, living musical legends or whatever. They're less discerning about what they share. But on the other side of it, there's a there's a sort of like generosity um, and almost an unguardedness in particularly in the recent Joni box, I thought mm. that was also super exhaustive. Um, you can really see what Joni's doing as a songwriter. You can really see the way these songs are like taking shape and there's, and you know, they're, they're starting in, if they end in a place that's like absolutely unimaginably original and incisive and, polished to see them begin where they begin is like i think there's something generous about about sharing that but dave they yeah. uh, like do you have old because I, I correct me if i'm wrong but i feel like you and bands in a in the last bunch of decades like there aren't like nine takes of like swing low magellan the song like it's like you have like the track like the drum track and then you like record the vocal till you like it yeah like, whereas like he, like like blood on the tracks is like basically live right like, yeah like like on a, you're a big girl now there's not even a oh, yeah. bass yeah <laughs> because the bass player had left because he had a gig that night yeah. in sort of like in a in a minneapolis tradition yeah well that's the th bob's always coming at it from that thing of if it can happen in blonde on blonde where a group of people get together and make that record happen then i'll never try anything different ever again and that's like how he's operated it's like for i think also just worse. just looking up to his heroes too is like fucking yeah everybody from the 40s 50s 60s they're uh well not take 40s and 50s and also the 30s like he was looking back that far totally. at that tradition Live. and being like those are the people i want to be like and they didn't that's how I mean, it's a it's a better way of doing things. Like Jake, to your question, no, there are like there are a few different versions of Swing Low as it's taken shape. On every every I don't know, making every album is different. There's a million sure. different versions of songs from the self-titled record. There's a million different versions of songs from Bitta. Um, you know, searching for the song for a really long time. Swing Low, it's more like the album is basically those demos that I made and then trying to add Brian and Nat and, yeah. and everybody on it and then gradually taking them back and putting the demo shit back in there. <laughs> so are you going to uh, do uh, more swings, more Magellans? Right. 
Is that More stuff you would ever want people to see or hear, David? Or is that just like you want to keep that on the hard drive and like it's, I it's don't for know. the archivists? It, it's, not, it's not a burning priority for me right Right now. You know what I mean? I like, But, you know, I don't know. Speaking of Joni, because you mentioned her, uh, she uh, apparently was one of the detractors of the David Longstreth method. I mean, not David Longstreth. David Zimmerman method. <laughs> where she thought that the version that was the final version of blood on the tracks was uh, inferior to the early, to the first go. Right. Well, wait, so I, I'm like pretty, pretty light on the, on the, on the, on the biography of Dylan in this era and the, and the specifics about this record. So are the songs from this, from this new box set all from New York or is it a mixture of New York and, this is, and Minnesota. This is all the New York stuff, exactly. This is all this the New York all, shit. Yeah, which is all pretty quiet, pretty stripped down. Some of it is just like Bob and a guitar, and that's it. Some of it's like Bob and a bass player. Some no, of it's yeah, with yeah. this band, Deliverance. Like, um, but the well, min- so, Jake, here's my, here's my question. Yeah. The, this, this stuff has a raw, looser, more in the room kind of a feel. Um, it's more like Planet Waves. To be honest, wait, what? What stuff? The New York stuff? Yeah, the New York stuff. So I'm, I'm. Uh, it's Not really. Though. To me, that you were like, that you're like saying, they they chose the right versions. They totally did. Okay, let's just go song by song. Tangle up in blue, the version from New York, the one that I've been listening to the last week or two, that the Jokerman sent over, <laughs> um, is like slow and boring, and like I mean. Jake, there's like an integrity to the finished version of the album that you absolutely can't fuck with. And there's like, yeah, there's like a there's a professionalism to the fullness of the arrangements and everything. I'm talking about a totally different version of the record. And I'm so grateful that we have this. These these New York sessions. Um, I don't disagree that Tangled Up in Blue, like, became a different thing. And it's hard to make the case for this version <laughs> that's all i'm saying then i mean like he need like the song needed a little more pep in its step um to simple really twist like of, simple twist of fate in the in the box that is like straight up i seriously feel like this is like an island era marley yeah. well to no. me <laughs> I, I thought it was sort of like a willie nelson version wow uh um and i thought it was a little schmaltzy i felt like the voicings on the chord from like the a major to the a major seventh or whatever it is like kind of corny one two three four
like I think the version on Blood is sick. It's just like the voicings in the guitar are a little bit different, and it's just that really propulsive bass playing mm -hmm. that's holding it down. No drums, no pickup band. I mean, it does. I do hear a Planet Waves uh, the, feel. The vocal in the the vocal in the recorded album makes me annoyed at the rhyme scheme. It seems catty. It seems overdone. Look, I'm not listen. I'm not a simple twist fan, really. Whoa! Not one of my like go-to Bob songs. Really, the only songs in this record that are like for me absolute knockouts are tangled and uh if you see or say hello hmm. interesting mm -hmm. but the if you see or that, say hello new york version is insane just him and a guitar uh, the album version is insane dude you don't think I, it so idiot win for you is not a keeper on this record i'm not saying it's not a keeper it's just not something i like return to i gotta say i'm not an idiot wind fan yeah i'm really? not either oh man it, it's guess... so long it's eight minutes it's like and this is talk about an idiot wind. He's going. He's a gas bag on this song. Yeah. Um, this is the part of Dylan that has aged the least well. I think is this sort of like condescending attitude toward. Uh, there's there's toward... certain things in Idiot Wind that I I just find to be like really uh, remarkable lyrically. Like I think about the lines uh, like blowing through the buttons of our coats, blowing through the letters that we wrote. Like more of the buttons of our coats yeah. line. That line in particular, about there's a lot that don't work, that mm. is, but the ones that do in the song, I think, like nothing else, approach that thing of moving through time and space in this way that's like actually really amazing and like wow and and From like the grand that coolie dam to, to the, the capital, capital. yeah oh, like yeah. places don't matter it doesn't matter where you are it doesn't matter who you are but it does matter who we are right now because like that's what we're talking about he's talking about like big picture ideas at the same time it's talking about one relationship and the buttons are our coats something about that is just like how tiny that is is really like heartbreaking and crazy to me and that that is what i think i've always really revered about that song you know i mean evan it Beautiful. i i i agree in this sort of like quasi objective sense that it is a great song but let me tell you it's not a put it on song no god no <laughs> i don't want to i don't want to put that on no i he shouldn't it got it would be a disaster it's a it's a it's a workout <laughs> to listen to that song it's true yeah i mean that's that's putting a fine point on it jake a I mean, workout I it's true though. I mean, I, I do think I just, I personally, my taste leans a bit more toward like the extremes of music. Like I'm a guy who re I really like the later period Scott Walker records, like a lot. Yeah. But, like, don't even talk to me. It's okay. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not someone to be talked to about what is. So wait, I just want to listen to the, the, the official release version of if you see her say hello for a second. If you see 
her say hello She might be It starts off with the most chill arpeggios and like organs. Man, I haven't heard that in so long. It feels like that like that almost feels like the alternate version to me listening to that now. That's weird. Yeah. Wait, that sounds this this like goofy Leslie No man every organ has a kind of basement tapes vibe. <laughs> Well, I think this conversation in general, like, like this is sort of like the perfect uh, uh, kind of summary of what this whole like project is about, and these recordings in particular is like, a lot of these songs are bigger than just the single recorded tape that were on that mm-hmm. original I love release. That. I love that. Wait, I'm and, tripping out. I'm having the Mandela effect about this version of "If You See Her Say Hello." <laughs> this is the, this is the version. Yeah, this is. I feel like I've this never heard this version. in my life. I, me too. What the fuck? This is the best song on the record, guys. It's a trip. I seriously Whoa. don't remember it sounding this way. Jake, that, what are you talking about? Yeah, that's a take, Jake. No. In this song, I always know where I'm at. There's no one-eyed Undertaker. There's no, like, it's just like. This, this is makes like the me buff think, guys version of this song. No, 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 no. This makes me. This song makes me think so viscerally about life in the 20th century Mm. and maybe this is like a trite kind of thing to say or whatever but i don't care it's sort of like when he's talking about like if like like if you see her say hello like if you run into her Mm. and then if she's passing through town i'm not that hard to find you can tell her to look me up it's sort of like again i feel kind of corny saying this but like now it's sort of like everyone's so linked in with the phones this song is about like if you run into her yeah like let's just like leave it loose yeah it's about like she might be in tangier and like i don't know where i'm gonna be but i'm i'm you'll be able to find me i'm around i'm in town just find me (laughs) yeah tell her to find me i really feel what you're saying about that i mean that's what i i love you're, uh, you're a big girl now for i think it works so well on the record with this song mm-hmm. because on that rec on that song you just feel the pain that in- that carries through perfectly to this this song and gives it a lot of weight like th- that that it makes it more powerful to know that like he's feeling so much and then just says like you know if you see her yeah i mean if you see her dude just they want to look me up. I don't this, know. This guy was not that a, hard to find. A corkscrew in his heart, uh, saying like, you know, if you see her around. Evan, have you have you come to see any of these songs or any of this music in a different light? Oh, having been recently broken any, up with. No, well, I was gonna I was gonna leave it a little a little more nebulous. Than oh that, wow! But yeah, <laughs> I'm sorry, dude. Uh, uh, He's well, doing great. The the real the real thing the real life of listening to Bob in the light of that has been listening to uh, standing in the doorway a lot from uh, from uh, time out of mind, which is like you know if this album is like a red wine uh, then that that's just like you know straight uh, hard liquor uh, of the heartbreak material that Bob's capable of whiskey shots i'm doing better now though so uh, it's okay but um the uh no basically is the answer but except for that song (laughs) i will say you're you're a big girl now is a song that i didn't really listen to that hard 
more recently. Sure. And I was going to say, I don't know if this applies to you, Evan, but in, uh, if you see her say hello, he's basically like, it sucks we're broken up, but it's honestly, it's better. It's better off. Yeah. It's like, yeah. you know, it's better for her. Definitely. It's coming um, through the other side. And, and in that song, I think he is taking a very noble stance that like, it's the type of song that can only happen after some time has passed. And that that's why it, it, I think it, it really works having like where it, where it shows up on the record. Yeah. It's, it's toward the end. It's right before shelter from the storm, which is kind of a perfect, um, I mean, those last three tracks just work really well as like a, a smooth landing where if you see her say hello, sort of like this more tender acceptance of what has happened he's still hurting shelter from the storm is this big picture kind of uh archetypal view of the whole idea of being with somebody as a refuge from from the world uh -hmm. of a relationship as a refuge and buckets of rain which we haven't really talked about yet I mean, it, it. God, I guess I do really like this album. I love Bucket of Rain. Rain is such a perfect closer. You know, it's 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 just so sweet, and it it feels like it's kind of encompasses everything that's come before, and it's also silly in a way. Like it's a little bit of a, it almost almost feels like it could be on Under the Red Sky or something. <laughs> it needs a little more uh, needs a little more wiggle to it. Um, do you guys have any thoughts? Uh, well, just spiritually, I think. Yeah, spiritual uh, wiggle. Spiritual wiggle, yeah. Uh, up to me. Any any takes on that from either either the Longstreth brothers? Because that's one that we have debated back and forth and back and forth. Everything went from bad to worse. Money never changed a thing. Death kept following, tracking us down. At least I heard your bluebird sing. Now somebody's got to show their hand. Time is an enemy. I know you're long gone. I guess it must be up to me. Oh, interesting. Well, I'm curious. To hear, I I think I missed those episodes. Um, uh, I'm curious. To hear. There's a lot. Don't worry. Um, I like the song. I understand why it's not on there. It, it, it would start to get a little redundant. I mean, it's like musically, it's sort of like splitting the difference between like shelter in the storm and uh, you're going to make me lonesome. Mm-hmm. It's just sort of like, and it's not real clear to me, like what that song, like the reason I like uh, uh, if you see or say hello so much is that like, I just, it's so like clear and like vivid where like what where he's at emotionally and like what his relationship to the people in the song is like up to me i'm sort of like what is this about like you're working at a post office and like, right. you're maybe taking like an fbi poster down and what's up to you <laughs> like i don't i just never got like a handle on it it it, it, it feels like a it sounds like a great kind of mid-70s dylan song but it's just like a little bit redundant there's two things I want to say okay. to that. One, um, when I was listening to the song the other day, um, I, I think it was honestly the first time I'd ever heard the song. And what it reminded me of was, okay, talk about 
shattered refracted memories that you're not sure whether they're real <laughs> or not yeah. um i have the sense that i heard this taylor swift song that was generated Back by an taylor. ai <laughs> like it was generated entirely music and lyrics um by an ai and it sounded like a pretty good taylor swift song and it like made you know it, it did the emotional turns that a Sorry, this was a dream you had? I don't know. I don't know. I, I'm not sure. I'm, I'm, the line is porous right now. I think it was real, though. I think, it, I think we could look it up and find it. Okay. Um, pretty sure. Um, what they can't do these days. Um, I know. I mean, I do feel like AI is encroaching into the so-called creative industries, like, this we're at a precipice right now. I don't know shit about shit, but like, I don't know. I think it's about to get real fucking weird. Well, you're you're but, talking about what wait, you're but, saying is interesting because I feel like it's encroaching specifically upon Bob Dylan's territory in some <laughs> weird way. Yeah, like that's what he's like a human AI who just oh. like recycles everything from the American music totally. tradition, and he repurposes wow. it. And he can do it in like just such a way. Whereas like his human touch, his specific voice comes through inevitably. But uh he is just kind of like using this raw data. My my wife and I just watched the last episode of Tokyo Vice last night. Um and I loved the show. I thought it was incredible. And after the episode ended, we were just sitting there talking about the episode and talking about the series for so long that the Apple TV went to the screensaver, which is a sort of like slow motion drone over a craggy landscape. Love those slow motion. That's drones. the best part great. of the Apple TV is the screensaver. I know. And I felt I was just like, first of all, I was so moved by the beauty, but they have several of these mountain ranges. And like where it's flying over a glacier or let's be honest, the remains of a glacier. Mm -hmm. So like the longer you look at it, the more emotional you get about just like we're looking at fucking a melted glacier right now for for miles and miles before we actually get to the blue cap or whatever. And so I was getting like sad looking at this like melted glacier. But then I got I got into this really weird headspace where I was like, wait a minute, like those two waterfalls are going at different angles. And my wife was like, I don't think that's real. I think this is the computer generated. Um, and so are you saying that you feel like up to me is a AI Bob Dylan song? <laughs> Do not cut me off. Do not cut me off. <laughs> yeah, cl let, keep going. You're on a roll. So, and so I was getting kind of like upset thinking about like, oh, this isn't even like aerial drone photography of a melted glacier. This is like an AI generated landscape of a melted <laughs> glacier. And we were talking about like AI doing creative stuff. And it all, I mean, I, this is a very basic take, I'm sure, but it always just leaves me feeling like, okay, wow, okay. You, you wrote an algorithm that can credibly fool my dumb human self. Why now I just feel worse about everything. Uh <laughs> and like it seems so self-evident that like what's good about like generally speaking creative things in this world 
is that they were they, they were made by someone they came from someone's mind mm -hmm. um it turns out that those uh the the aerial drone photography is real it was a it was a glacier in iceland which was like very heartening again in its own way but all of which is to say um yeah like i've been thinking recently about the way that like um creative processes all are algo algorithmic how, how humans you know like most of what we do as you know when we're writing lyrics or when we're like figuring out the 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 plot dynamics of a of a complex tv show or writing melodies um doing voice leading these are all forms of like just algorithms that and and when we the process of like being inspired losing that self that nausgaard talks about is really just like letting the algorithm take over mm. um and maybe there's beauty in 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 that our algorithms have these little kinks and and little pieces of dirt and weird turns. Uh, are, you, are you saying that they have blood that uh, ends up uh, inevitably upon the tracks? There's blood on the tracks in our in our algorithms, and like it's hard to imagine computer. But that's not really my argument. Um. Yeah, listening to up to me, I was thinking about that. Where I was like, this sounds like. And Jake, yeah, you you got to my point five minutes before I did. <laughs> um. Up to me, it sounds like a Dylan algo. It sounds like a blood on the tracks algorithm. Like I, I had this weird surreal experience where I even stopped thinking that it was real as I was listening <laughs> to it. You're tripping. You know? But let me just say, if Up to Me was the second to last song on the record, and Shelter from the Storm was the one that was right. on the on the shelf for forty years, you would think the same thing right. about Shelter from the Storm. No, I don't know about that. I don't think so. I don't I, think so. No, up to I, me I, is like such I'm a with pastiche. You on that, Jake. I, I'm with you on that, David, because I feel like all right, blood, battle lines are drawn. This is well. You <laughs> asked Jake like what are our opinions, and we didn't get to it for a yeah, second. Yes, but please. here they are. I don't think it's a very good song. Up to I me. think it's. I think up to me is like uh, exactly. I mean, I think David, you put it like basically better than I have. Which ever talking about it, which is that it feels like a uh, pastiche uh, sort of algorithmic uh, amalgam of like what makes this record good but it itself isn't like it doesn't add up to the sum of its parts where are more than them whereas like uh shelter from the storm i feel like is one idea honed in on and executed and yeah. uh, i don't feel like up to me has much going for it besides uh that line and then the corniest line i think in it which i'm very a very unpopular opinion uh i was just too stubborn to ever be governed by enforced insanity to me that's one of the worst lines bob Dylan ever wrote it's wow. like it just seems like it i mean it just sounds like something someone would get tattooed on them in a weak moment <laughs> this is the new this is the new sign on the window take it's up there with Sign on the Window. Uh, Another no, confused... Wait, you don't like Sign on the Window? No, I also feel like it was written by an AI. <laughs> I love Sign on the Window. Wow. I, that's like one of my... That's, I yeah, love. that's a... Um, yeah, I mean, I was like washing dishes as I was listening to it, and, and I, I, it didn't have my full attention, to be honest, but like the line really caught me where he's talking about like, oh, well, we heard the Sermon on the Mount, 
and I knew it was too complex. And like these just these this language doesn't it's for one thing, Jake, to what you were saying about like knowing where you are, it's like he, the language isn't dialed in yet. It, it, it's like, wait, it's too complex. Like that's compelling. But what do you mean? And also just like, I don't know, like in a in a sort of like lexicon of like all words that Dylan ever used and the the instance, the, the number of instances of those usages, which I'm very curious about. Does the word complex ever appear? I don't know that he's ever. Yeah, good question. Down to the office complex. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's on his, that's that Dylan ex-urban record. Waiting for it. He painted the Taco Bell as the cover. (laughs) God, maybe it's not the word. Okay, I used to backtrack time. It's not that bad, the lyric. Is there forced insanity thing? It's okay, but it's like, come on. I think there's he's, there's so many. He's great, done better. There's so many great snatches of of lyricism, and even the first line, everything went from bad to worse. Money yeah. never changed. There's thing. better Death lyrics kept following in that and tracking us down. At least I heard your bluebird sing. Fantastic. Better yeah. lyrics in that song than that one is what I should say. Sure. There's a lot of great lyrics in Up to Me, but I I don't think that it makes a real credible case that it shouldn't have been left on the cutting room floor. Well, but here here's here's another idea that in Jake. I love what you what you were saying about like the New York, the New York to Minneapolis. It's like he's still figuring out the tone of the song. What does yeah. this song mean? Because he's got a whole bunch of words on a page. Yeah. And and figuring out a, a unified musical, like an emotional vibe. Palette. Yeah. Where all of those words sit and you understand. It might not be a question of songwriting as much as what we're talking about, finding that finding that tone. And so like maybe one of the things about up to me is just that like yeah maybe the writing like bar for bar is actually like totally there but he just didn't figure out the tone where he could pull off a line like too stubborn to ever be governed by enforced insanity right um you know fuck it is. I mean, it is definitely sort of duplicative of uh, of shelter. Um, you know, Bob has sort of a penchant for cannibalizing his own songs, as we've seen in some other releases, where he takes you know one song starts out in one germinal state, and then he steals half the lyrics from it and puts it to a different tune, and then turns it into another song. Yeah, so and are... it's in that it's in that same tuning, right? Which really makes all those songs in that tuning really kind of blend into one song and the, yeah the way he sort of like i guess it must be up to me yeah the and cadence like, exactly uh, shelter from the storm like you on, only need uh, one of them on there from, yeah and just blowing in the wind like what are you <laughs> <Yeah>. saying <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can you can, you can fit them in all of that. and it's also you're gonna it's make me lonesome when you go it's it's you're gonna make me lonesome when you go as well it's uh yep. yeah yeah Right. Yeah, you're gonna that's make a... me lonesome, and it's honestly a little bit more like that than it is uh, shelter. Yeah, true. Song. True. Fuck, uh, I mean yeah. that style of songwriting, that that like verse structure. There, there's no choruses on virtually any of these songs, and they all yeah. kind of end on that same refrain, which is the title yeah. of the song. I was tangled up in blue. It was a simple twist of fate. Idiot wind. Yeah, uh, shelter from the storm. Um, uh, I, yeah, wow. I guess it must be up to me. That... I wanna. I wanna say. I wa- I want. Yeah. Just about that. I love this song structure. I love this kind of song structure and like 
I don't like does anyone now really write in that song structure a lot where it's like a, a sort of catalog of a verse that's going somewhere in a long longer melody ending in this tagline but no chorus per se that's a good point i think that um bob's a rapper i yeah. think that <laughs> the original cool. rapper but i think that actually like um uh ian to what you were saying earlier i think i got I think that like Gershwin called this kind of a structure because at one point I was like, what kind of what is this structure called? Mm. Is it strophic? I don't think it's strophic. And apparently I've never heard that word in my life. Strophic. <laughs> Gershwin called this kind of a thing where it comes down to a refrain at the at the end of a verse, a vest. He caught like, so I guess <laughs> it was vest. up to me would be the vest. Wow. Of this song in the way that the vest ties together a three piece suit. Wow. Interesting. Wow. Well, I don't know if that's true, but I like to think about it like that. It sounds like it makes sense. Um, and then <laughs> the, vest. the other thing is that and maybe this is part of the received biography or the received sort of like story of Blood on the Tracks and I just don't know it, but like, I I recall, I love how in this conversation, everything I'm saying is like, I think that I remember something. But, <laughs> well, that's, um, that's germane to the whole uh, episode here. The theme. That's, I, that's how most of yeah. our conversations go to. <laughs> I think I remember something where <clears throat> like, it was Dylan talking about blood on the tracks. And again, maybe this is from Chronicles actually, but he was like, you know, whatever after the late 60s sort of like um this sort of like burnout or whatever the, after the motorcycle accident what he was what he was like the way that he was like living and writing through 1966 or whatever just sort of like pure id working intuitively he's talking about how like that was gone Mm -hmm. um and i didn't know you know what yeah how, what i was doing and blood on the tracks was like taking on dis songwriting as a discipline mm. and forcing myself to learn consciously what i what i've been used doing to do unconsciously. unconsciously yeah and i thought that was so interesting almost like it's like a form of like physical therapy after like an accident or something right yeah, he's got to learn to walk again and like i think it's like one of the things i think i hear that or i think like as a kid it's it, again i'm coming back to like why i didn't why this record was like a slow grower for me i think part of it is that i felt that kind of strenuousness for sure you know um Kids have the right it, instincts, and it's not a put it on record. No, <laughs> this is a put on your uh, like compression uh, vest or your like walking your walker. This is like him getting back like into a shape that it, it is him inching like crawling back to functionality. Yeah, but like maybe that fits with the subject matter. It does. Which I think absolutely. It, I think that's <clears throat> if you do appreciate the record, which many do. I think for its sense of maturity, it does it also for the sense that it, the feeling of the record mirrors perfectly the, um, the, the text of. Right. That's interesting. 
well. That's not <laughs> <laughs> this has by far been like the pettiest episode of Joker Man of all time. This, you know, it's well, like normally you guys do like you go through like a track listing. Yeah. And so there's a structure to the episode. This was just like chaos. We just yeah. went right into the deep end right from we, the, right from the very start. We did an hour and a half of just absolute just <laughs> scatter shot. Just seriously just, just scatting. Just, just throwing rolling pasta it, against the wall. Rolling and tumbling. Just idiot wind. Yeah, blowing through the buttons of our coats. Um idiot mode. <laughs> <laughs> That's the title of the episode. Yes. Yeah, idiot mode. Idiot mode with Jake and David. Um, any last thoughts from anyone? Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know. I kind of feel like we're just getting started. No, I'll... God damn. <laughs> That's the spirit. I feel like we, we didn't even scratch the surface. Yeah, we didn't even talk about Lily, Rosemary, or the Jack Yeah, we of didn't Hearts. even start to decode the, the legend of the Jack of Hearts. You know. Right. One of our favorite characters from the Bob Dylan what if, One of the universe. great characters. Yeah. Know? Some of the greatest characters in that song. You got Lily. You got Rosemary. You got the Jack of Hearts. You got Big Jim. Big Jim. You got the Judge. Well, I, you know, I've always Wait, said... who's Big Jim? Who's I've always said that... He owned that, uh, the town's only diamond mine, David. I, a theory I've, I've had is that um, that this song, uh, Lily Rosemary and the Jack of Hearts, takes place in the Rocky Raccoon extended universe. Mm, mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, wow. I feel like they ta- kind of have a, the same feeling. If so ever, if Bob does... South Dakota. South Dakota, yeah. Yeah, if Bob and, and Paul have some kind of uh, spiritual... Uh, psychic bond in their sleep, you know. Well, I mean, that is the thing with Rocky Raccoon. Is that, that is Paul McCartney's just like attempt to write a corny like lark of a Bob Dylan song. But it's like this type of he's like it's like him doing um, Ballad of Frankie Lee and Judas Priest. Right, something. right, right. Yeah. Also, one that takes place in this uh, realm. This same whatever universe. The, whatever this is. Yes. I remember, um, like reading about Street Legal, um. Is it the first song on Street Legal that's like Mountain Laurel and Rolling Rock? That's right. Sixteen years. Sixteen. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Wait, what is the name of that song, Jake? What's the name of that song? Changing. Changing, Changing of the Guard. Of yeah. The guard. There we go. Yep. Um. So I remember reading, like I just remember this sort of like negative criticism of that song that it was like that it looked and felt or that it's felt and sounded like a classic Dylan song, but it was actually empty. And it seems funny to me because like, I don't know, like there's a, there's a, there's an emptiness at the heart of a lot of the, these really amazing, it goes to Dylan as this like masked and anonymous, uh, well, Avenger. Yeah, Bravo. Nice. A, con- <laughs> a conjurer, Jake, is that what you said? No, Avenger. Oh, an Avenger, yeah, and uh, and yeah, that's true. Liz, Lily Rosemary and the Jack of Hearts, but Ballad of Frankie Lee, uh, for sure. Yeah, those, a lot of his epics, I, I I skip over. I I usually, if I'm thrown on Desire, I'll 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 skip over Hurricane. Hmm. I hate yeah, to admit you, it, but I will. You skip to straight to Joey. Straight to Joey. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Joey is so good. Wait, Jake. Joey's tight. <laughs> <laughs> 
I think the biggest curveball. That's the craziest thing we've talked about all night. Is Joey is so Joker good. Yeah. Our big Joey heads, but um, in the year of a, who knows good. when. Like yeah. there's so like just the writing in that song is so good. Where he's just like he's telling a story, but the whole thing is that he's like not set, giving you any details, which is like very mob. Yeah, interesting. And <laughs> wait, I think you guys mentioned on an episode that um, Joey Joey's death is uh, filmed in um, the, the Scorsese movie, The Irishman. Yeah, That's The right. Irishman. At, yeah, uh, yeah. At Umberto's. That's uh, that's Joey house. when De Niro goes in and shoots him in the clam house. It's right. Jo- yeah, Joey Gallo. Because I was like, I didn't, a, couple I love month, a couple months ago, Jake and I, I texted Jake, like, imagine Scorsese filming Joey, like, make, you know, cinematic adaptation. Little did you know. And I was it's like, already, dude. It's already been done. You know, <laughs> I just don't know if anybody on YouTube has put the song to that video. Uh, so, you know, when I, I might have to just, like, go full boomer mode and do that and just you know like put like or tear, like papyrus font lyrics at the bottom entirely uh no copyright print infringement intended yeah get it taken down immediately <laughs> great use of time um well this was fun guys this was quite a wide-ranging conversation thank you both for uh, sticking through it with us, and I think I think we got to the bottom of Blood on the Tracks. I think we've said all that needs to be said, and all of the questions that everyone could possibly have have been answered well, at this I've, point. I have one more question: How many stars do you give? Okay, <laughs> the album out of three, um, two out of three stars. Yeah, no half stars. You're gonna no, be held just, to this for for time in immemorial. Yeah, this is, three. I say three stars. No. Cool. I mean, come on. I think the more interesting question is what mustard is blood on the tracks? Yeah, if it was a kind of mustard, mm. what would it be? Stone ground? Yeah. I, I feel like there's, it's got to be something with a little bit of like um, horseradish in it, though. Like there, there's something that mm. kind of gets in your sinuses and gives you sort of a sort of a stinger, you know? Yeah, I've got That's a feeling like, yeah. Maybe a, was, those... maybe a wasabi? Yeah. Simple, you... kind of stately. Straight to the okay. Straight to the heart. I, I, I don't know. I I think it's eluding us. I I don't think we're getting to the bottom of what mustard it is. I feel <laughs> that we're not there. Um, what's that kind with the you know the beaver uh, brand with the little beaver on it? You know that mustard, Kensington. Um, no, not Sir Kensington. <laughs> it's definitely uh, not, not Sir Kensington. You know, be- beaver brand, sweet hot not mustard. Familiar. You know, look this up. Beaver brand sweet hot mustard. I think that that's what this is. Mm-hmm. Sounds uh, complex. Sweet hot mustard. You look up beaver brand sweet hot mustard. Rich like- with honey, it says. Um, I don't know. There's too much honey in here. I, I see another one here. Beaver Chinese mustard extra hot. I think that that could be, that could be it. <laughs> All right. We're gonna have to get. Gonna, I think when we got to this point, we're just getting started. <laughs> just no, I mean I do. I I really do. Yeah, it's hard to. Yeah. Hard to uh, unplug. Thank you All both right. so much. Yeah, uh, any sort of uh, any sort of plugs or anything. Listen to Time Crisis. Listen to Dirty Projectors. Anything beyond that? Well, I would say. I, I mean, I, I have a plug, 
but it's in direct conflict. Oh with yes, the Jokerman. Oh god. Oh yes. Um, <laughs> you guys have a live show at five p.m. on June nineteenth, eighteenth, eighteenth at Zebulon. Uh, Mountain Brews is playing at five p.m. on June eighteenth, about three, <laughs> three quarters of a mile <laughs> from Zebulon at uh, Choice Fest at the uh, Spoke Bicycle Cafe on the L.A. River. Ian, is it so okay I'm, if I go to that and and you just do the show? Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll, you know, maybe Skype you in at one point. So I'm really <laughs> bummed to be missing the Jokerman live show at Zebulon. Um, Me too. Well, so I'm listeners are faced. I'm not going to go to either one. Oh yeah, dude. <laughs> that's <laughs> the wisest choice, David. Just kidding. Um, that's strong gonna, choice. Live, live at Zebulon. That's gonna yeah, be- with with special guests. Uh, with special guests, special, special guests who have been, the, the, we're not just saying special guests. We have I, the special guests are identified. They're locked in. Oh, you're uh, gonna you're gonna have I, some fun, folks. We won't have announced them yet by the time this comes no, out. No, but I'm just saying that we're not lying about saying they're special guests and then pulling someone out of our ass at the last minute. We've got yeah. special guests. Anyways, yeah. go if you're not gonna see us, go see Jake. If you're not gonna see Jake, come see us. Um. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to we'll have to see who who pulls a better audience and, i think um, i i think i we'll know who will we'll see you at the uh pantages theater yeah that's well, right I'll, you're gonna be well, there which night wednesday night right yeah i got tickets for the 15th i think oh right. shit when is that is, is that this night? month i bought june. you a ticket it's june 15th that's gonna be so awesome we'll be yep. there we're going to have the whole Jokerman family there. Tim, Tim is going to be there that night, I think. So Great. we all got to meet up together. We'll have oh, a drink absolutely. in the lobby or yeah, something. Yeah, well, we have to take a little uh, group photo. Yeah, absolutely. It's going to be a beautiful night. I, I want to just clo- theater. close out on, uh, I've seen, just close out on, on one sort of Dylan anecdote. I remember a long time ago, I was, uh, I think it was my first time seeing Dylan live. And it was in the band shell in Prospect Park in Brooklyn. Whoa. Whoa, what? He yeah, play, he played in the band shell in Prospect Park. Yeah, Love that. and it was it was an awesome show. It was a beautiful summer evening. <clears throat> Everybody was out just on picnic blankets, drinking wine, listening to Bob. And the person that I was with um, was I like Dylan is one of my very favorite artists in the whole world at that point in my life he was probably the the one and so i was like very excited to be there the person who i was with was like not as much of a dylan head and like after every song they just sort of like leaned over to me and they were like yeah but he kind of sounds like the cookie monster (laughs) um his voice you know i was like no he doesn't sound like the cookie monster and then you know, he played another song, and then as people were applauding, the people on the picnic blanket next to us were like, Cookie Monster! <laughs> like, having not heard our conversation at all. Are you kidding me? Dude, what? When was this was that he Damn. sounded like that? Because it, there are times. This there is moments. Two, this is, I, I pulled it up. Two, August 12, 2008. Okay. So this is, uh, this is, this is kind of the, uh, this is, this is proto- together through life it's when it's it, when the voice was in it's it's more shit yeah 2012 is that well i don't know so wait his voice is in a different situation now oh, oh yeah oh, we're just yeah. dragging on here we can, yeah. we can discuss this in the <laughs> lobby here but i'm excited about the show 
We'll see you guys there, everyone listening. We'll see us there. Let's all be there together and have a beautiful night with Bob at the beautiful Pantages Theater. Jake, David, thank you both so much. This was a hell of an episode. Yeah. <laughs> it turned out great. Joker, man. man. Rosemary combed her hair and took a carriage into town. She slipped in through the side door, looking like a queen without a crown. She fluttered her false eyelashes and whispered in his ear, Sorry, darling, that I'm late, but he didn't seem to hear. He was staring into space over at the Jack of Hearts. I know I've seen that face somewhere, Big Jim was thinking to himself. Maybe down in Mexico or a picture upon somebody's shell. But then the crowd began to stamp their feet and the house lights did dim. And in the darkness of the room there was only Jim and him. Staring at the butterfly who once held the jack of hearts. Lily was a princess. She was fair-skinned and precious as a child. She did whatever she had to do. She had that certain kind of flash in her smile. She'd come away from a broken home at lots of strange affairs. With men in every walk of life, which took her everywhere. But she never met anyone quite like the Jack of Hearts. Rosemary started drinking hard and seeing her reflection in the knife. She was tired of the attention, tired of playing the role of Big Jim's wife. She had done a lot of bad things, even once tried suicide. Was looking to do just one good deed before she died. She was gazing to the future, riding on the jack of hearts. The hanging judge come in, unnoticed and was being wined and dined. The drilling in the wall kept up, but no one seemed to pay it any mind. It was known all around that Lily wore Big Jim's ring. And nothing would ever come between Lily and the king. No, nothing ever would, except maybe the Jack of Hearts. Lily washed her face, took her dress off, and buried it away. Has your luck run out? She laughed at him. Well, I guess you must have known it would someday. Be careful not to touch the wall. There's a brand new coat of paint. I'm glad to see you're still alive. You're looking like a saint. Down the hallway, footsteps were coming for the Jack of Hearts. Backstage manager was pacing around by his chair. There's something funny going on, he said. I can just feel it in the air. He went.
went to get the hanging judge, but the hanging judge was drunk. As the leading actor hurried by in the costume of a monk, there was no actor anywhere better than the Jack of Hearts. Lily's arms were locked around the man that she dearly loved to touch. She forgot all about the man she couldn't stand who hounded her so much. I've missed you so, she said to him, and he felt she was sincere. But just beyond the door, he felt jealousy and fear. It was just another night in the life of the Jack of Hearts. No one knew the circumstance, but they say that it happened pretty quick. The door to the dressing room burst open and a cold revolver clicked. And Big Jim was standing there, you couldn't say surprised. Rosemary right beside him, steady in her eyes. She was with Big Jim, but she was leaning to the jag of hearts. Two doors down, the boys finally made it through the wall And cleaned out the bank safe It said that they got off with quite a haul By the darkness on the riverbed They waited on the ground For one more member who had business back in town But they couldn't go no further Without the jack of hearts The next day was hanging day, the sky was overcast and black. Big Jim lay covered up, killed by a penknife in the bag. And Rosemary on the gallows, she didn't even blink. And the hanging judge was sober, he hadn't had a drink. The only person on the scene missing was the Jack of Hearts. The cabaret was empty now, his sign said closed for repair. Lily had already taken all of the dye out of her hair. She was thinking about her father, who she very rarely saw. Thinking about Rosemary and thinking about the law. But most of all, she was thinking about the Jack of Hearts. 